I'm going to, uh, so I, I'm going to start with a bar joke this morning. I, I, I'm in my 12th year here, and I've never, ever started a sermon with a bar joke, and I'm going to today. And, I, and I, at first I was like, I'll have to say this was a great ministry, thanks, and be gone. But uh, I've said more shocking things than this, and I'm still here, so I should be cool. <laughs> There's a reason for it. Just a man enters the bar sits down at the bar, he orders a drink, he's sipping his drink, when suddenly he hears out of nowhere, hey fella, nice suit. And he looks around and there's nobody else in the bar, just he and the bartender. And he's like, what in the world was that? And while he was contemplating that, suddenly he hears, hey, nice tie. And he's like, am I going crazy? And so he calls the bartender over and he said, I, I'm a little confused, I'm hearing voices. And the bartender said, well, what are they saying? He said, I heard a nice suit, and hey, great tie, and bartender chuckled a little bit, and he said, oh, he said, those are the peanuts. They're complimentary. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go on the road with that one, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Here's why it was important. Today, a man's going to hear some voices. His name is Pilate. He's going to get a barrage of all these voices coming at him regarding the fate of Jesus Christ. And, and I wonder what voice he's going to tune in and listen to. We're going to come back to that in a moment. We're in the trial of Jesus Christ. Today we're in chapter 23 of Luke. We started this Luke journey in uh, December of 2016. We're in the last two chapters of the book of Luke that we've been studying, and these are the most important chapters in the life of Jesus. Today, we're in this trial. However, it is not a good trial. It could be called a kangaroo court. The reason is because the Jewish Sanhedrin clearly had rules for conducting a trial in a capital case. These, all of this has been uncovered through archaeology and everything. We know clearly what the rules were for the Sanhedrin in a capital case. And, and, and the chief priest and, the, uh, and, and uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they're going to break all those rules. For example, number one, no trial can happen at night. It has to wait till the next morning. They totally break that in regards to Jesus. Number two, no trial can happen on the Sabbath or during a festival. This is Passover week. So they totally break that. Number three, no trial can be done in private. A capital offense must be done in the open, in the public, so that if there's any testimonies out there or any witnesses, they can come forward. They totally break that and they do Jesus' trial in private. And number four, no high priest should ever interrogate the prisoner. And they totally break that with two high priests that interrogate him. This trial is a total sham. They are bogus charges. It's some of the worst charges ever made up or ever conceived against an innocent man. And as, as I go through the trials of Jesus, if it begins to really frustrate your sense of um, justice, it should. 
because this is what they used to get Jesus on the cross. Boy, this trial started at night. Jesus was drug off to the palace where the chief priests were, and there was a courtyard. And we talked last week about the area where Peter denied Jesus three times. It was not just a night of questioning for Jesus. It was a night of physical torture. They made sport of hitting Jesus. They pulled out big chunks of his beard with their bare hands, and then they put a hood over his head, and the temple guard took turns punching him, and then they laughed. Hey, you're the prophet. You're the great prophet. Tell us which one of us hit you. They spit on him. They slapped him. They punched him. They mocked him as being a king. They made a king's scepter out of this club, and then they'd take it out of his hands and swing at his head. The next morning, after a night of torture and a night of questioning, they lead him to the Roman authorities for the final death verdict. They didn't have the authority to lay down a death verdict. They knew they need the Romans to pull that off. And that brings us to the, a man in the story named Pilate. We're in Luke chapter 23, verse 1. Then the whole assembly rose and led Jesus off to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Messiah, a king. <laughs> Luke's the only one, by the way, that gives us these three charges as to what they brought against Jesus. Two of them are absolutely false. One is correct. They accused him of subverting our nation, meaning to try to overthrow the government. He never tried to do that. They said he opposes taxes to Caesar, and Jesus said just the opposite. Pay, pay your taxes is what he told a man. You know, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Every so often somebody jumps up in the news, you can see it, and, and they'll claim they're never going to pay taxes again. And, and they'll say, I, I've received a mandate by God not to pay taxes anymore. <laughs> and you're like, really? Uh, we got a name for that kind of a person. Uh, we call them prisoners. He claims to be the Messiah King. This is the only correct charge out of all of them. Verse 3, so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Well, you have said so, Jesus replied. That's not, that's not all that Jesus had to say. Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, oh, so you are a king. And Jesus said these words, you are right in saying that I am a king. Oh, man. Had to be an amazing tense moment between Jesus and Pilate. Because Pilate thought he was king. Oh, you are right. But Pilate's confused at this point. He's seen Jesus after he's been through a night of torture. Jesus is, is all bruised and beat up and bloodied. He looks just a total mess. He's got shabby clothes. He's just a carpenter from some community that doesn't matter. And he's like looking at these chief priests and all these uh, Sanhedrin. Are you dudes kidding me? You think this guy is king material? Does he look kingly to you? Because he doesn't look kingly to me. So Pilate is just confused at, at their anger and their hatred. Verse 4, then Pilate announced to the chief priest and to the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. Oh, but they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and he has come all the way here now. What? Stirring up the people. 
boy, if you ask me, I think we could use a little more stirring up by Jesus. I need to be stirred up more. You need to be stirred up more. Our world needs to be stirred up more. And can I tell you that over the last uh, almost, a, well, a year and four months now in this series, this has really helped to stir up the waters of Jesus in my life. And yeah, when you get this close to Jesus and when you spend this much time with Jesus and when you listen to the teachings of Jesus, it stirs you up. It's a pretty good accusation to bring against him. Verse 6, on hearing this, Pilate asked the man if the man was Galilean. And when he heard, when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at this time. Yeah, of course he's there. It's Passover time. All the big wigs are in town. Herod is just across town. Let's send him over there. Verse 8, when Herod saw Jesus, by the way, this is the fifth trial. Annas and then uh, Caiaphas and then the Sanhedrin and then the first questioning with Pilate and now Herod is number five and then it comes back to Pilate. But when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about Jesus, he hoped to see Jesus perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many qu questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Boy, that had to be frustrating to Herod. Herod's used to being treated as if he's something special. Herod's used to being treated as if he's an authority figure. And when he asks a question, you better answer the question. Jesus doesn't answer any questions. Jesus is just standing here like, I don't even recognize you as being an authority figure. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you that he didn't answer any questions. However, it was prophesied at six to 700 years before that in the book of Isaiah that you would recognize the Messiah by the fact that he would not give a lot of answers. Isaiah 53, verse 7. The Messiah was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. And so this is one of the times Jesus goes silent and fulfills that passage. Verse 10. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vigorously accusing him. You know, I talked to, we got a couple uh, judges that attend here, and I asked one of them, would you put up with that in your trial, in, in your courtroom? People screaming and yelling and, and out of control. He's like, there's not a chance. I'd clear the courtroom. He's like, you know, I got a, a bailiff, and he would clear the courtroom. Nobody would put up with that. But back then, here's Herod, who's just hearing all these screams and all these yells. Then Herod and his soldiers, they jumped in on ridiculing Jesus, and they mocked him also. They dressed him in an elegant robe like a king. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, and check this out, Herod and Pilate became friends before this they had been enemies. Boy, you just got to ponder that phrase for a moment. These two guys didn't like each other, but suddenly they discovered a dislike and a disregard for Jesus, and that somehow brought a common thread between them, and they became friends. And this happens today sometimes. Somebody will hear, you know, oh, I don't like Christianity. Hey, I don't like Christianity either. I wish that whole Jesus thing would just go away. Hey, me too. And they become friends. It's the saddest of all friendships when they come together like that. Yeah, that's a troubling verse. Verse 13, 
Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence, and I have found no basis for charges against him. That's the second time now, by the way, that Pilate has said that. And neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I'm going to punish him, and then I'm just going to release him. There are skeptics out there who say that Jesus uh, uh, died on a cross because he was found guilty by the authorities of that time. And you shouldn't follow a criminal. That's their, that's their common statement. And they just don't understand the story. They haven't read the story because obviously the government verdict in regards to Jesus is innocent. So why is he pressed to go to the cross? Verse 17. At every Passover festival, Pilate had set free one prisoner for them. This was a, a custom back then. In fact, if you're reading this through Luke, your verse 17 will be missing. Uh, we don't have that in the oldest of documents. I pulled this from the Mark account so you would know what normally falls in there. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is being accused of insurrection. Barabbas is actually guilty of insurrection. Jesus, they want to kill. Barabbas, they want released. The Matthew account tells us that the reason the crowds were yelling this is because the religious leaders were inciting them to do so. Yell for Barabbas, yell for Barabbas when he brings them out. And because they didn't want to be in trouble with the uh, Sanhedrin and those temple guards either, nobody else wanted to get beat up, they screamed for Barabbas. Do you understand how powerful this little passage is right here? This is you and I. An innocent man will be found guilty. A guilty man, Barabbas, will be let go, found innocent. I am Barabbas in this passage. So are you. It's almost as if Jesus is placed up here on this stage and each one of us is put up on the other side. And you know you're guilty and you know he's innocent, but the whole crowd says, give us, and they call out your name. Again, if your sense of justice is, is really angered right now, it should be. Jesus will die in the place of Barabbas. The innocent will die in the place of the guilty. That's my story as well, too. Verse 20, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept sh shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time, here's number three, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for a death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished. That should appease some of you. And I'll release him. Verse 23. But with loud shouts, they insisted, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And oh, here's some sad words. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for, and now listen to these words, and he surrendered Jesus to the people's will. 
Oh. He, he just gave Jesus over to the angry crowds. Pilate surrendered Jesus. His voice inside of him kept telling him that Jesus was innocent, but in the end, he couldn't fight off all the other voices, and so he just gave Jesus over to be crucified. Pilate had all kinds of voices coming at his head that night or that morning, just all kinds of voices. He had the voice of Rome. You better keep control of Jerusalem. It's a big week. Don't let any riots break out. And he was kind of on the hot seat. So Pilate had his authorities in his own, in his own head. Pilate had the, in his head the voices of the Sanhedrin and religious leaders all asking for Jesus to be killed. Pilate even had in his head his own wife's voice. It's not in this story, but if you know the story, Pilate's wife had a dream, a vision. And she comes out to Pilate and she says, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. And Pilate tries to send him off to Herod, but he comes right back. And so Pilate has to deal with it. But her voice is in his head. The voice of all the crowd screaming at him, crucify him, crucify him, is in Pilate's head. But there's also that one voice of Jesus. Oh, Pilate, you are right in calling me a king. All those voices, who will he listen to? Which one will he tune into? It still happens today. The voice of the crowds are still screaming for us not to follow Jesus. Voices telling us that Jesus isn't the son of God. Voices telling us no one follows the Bible anymore. Sometimes even a family member can raise up, in, rise right up in your home and say, come on, lighten up. Nobody lives like that anymore. It's a new day. Stop being so traditional. Everybody does it now. There are voices out there attacking Christianity. Just happened a couple weeks ago. You probably have heard about it. A little talk show by the name of The View, Joy Behar attacked the vice president who's very open and very uh, out in front with people regarding his Christianity. He believes that he talks to Jesus, but he also believes that, that uh, Jesus communicates back to us, and Joy Behar went off on that. You know, it's one thing to talk to Jesus, she said. It's another thing to hear Jesus talking to you. That's mental illness, she called it. No boy. Christians all over America just went crazy calling the network, and Joy Behar was finally forced to make some apologies, and she did. Uh, just this past week was a, a very well-crafted uh, apology. But she also called the vice president. She said, I'm sorry, I, I hope you can forgive me for that. And of course, the vice president said, Joy, absolutely, you, I forgive you, that's not a problem. I was kind of hoping he'd say, I have to, Jesus told me to. <laughs> there have always been voices against Jesus. There will always be voices against Jesus. Where are all these voices leading us to if you tune into them? To hell. Jesus said, there's this wide path and uh, with lots of voices on it and lots of people on it, you know, 
And, and it's leading toward destruction. And many are they that find themselves on that path. Over here, there's this narrow path. And it leads to life. But only a few stay on that path. And you and I are given an option because God doesn't force what voice you have to listen to. He says it's your call. You get to decide what voice you're going to tune into. And if you're listening to Pilate, there's another moment in Pilate's life in John chapter 19 where he puts Jesus in front of all the people and he says, behold, he's just a man. He's just a man. There's a painting titled that, Behold the Man. It's from the mid-1800s. And Antonio Cicero. And it's, I, I love this painting, by the way. When I found it, I've just been captivated by it all week. Because it, it's not a painting of Pilate, it's his back. It's not a painting of Jesus, it's his back. But it's from the balcony of the palace, and you can see Jesus clearly, and you can see Pilate. Pilate's leaning over the uh, railing as if he's begging. Look at him. He's just a man. He's nobody. And look at how that arm is just... He's just a man. Behold the man. Off to Pilate's one side, there's a woman who won't even look at Jesus. That's believed to be Pilate's wife. There is that gentleman with the scroll right next to Pilate. That's his secretary. In a few moments, he'll pull out a writing instrument and he'll record the verdict, guilty for Jesus Christ. What voice are you tuned into? You can listen to Pilate. Oh, Jesus is just a man. You can ignore him. You can listen to Joy Behar, hearing Jesus' mental illness. You can listen to the crowds. Kill Jesus. Let's just get rid of this whole Jesus thing. Or you can listen to Jesus. Oh, you are right in saying I'm a king. The trial for Jesus Christ is still going on to this day. It's going on right now in this room. It's going on right in here. Inside your heart. You have to lay down a verdict as to who Jesus is. So what is your verdict today? 